1: Notre Dame fans, Irish Breakdown Family. We are back. It is Thursday. My man Vince is with me. And Vince, before we get started on the show today, yeah, I got some exciting news I want to share with people. So obviously, we launched our message board in July. And Vince and I talked, and my goal, my goal was to have a thousand people sign up by the start of the season. And then my goal was to add a 1,000 people each year. So my goal was to be at 2,000 subscribers by the time we got to the beginning of the 2023 season. Today, on April 14th, seven months after launching, we just had our 2,000 subscriber. Yay! Hey. Now, 2,000 is, our, is not, our, it's not our gross, it's our net. So, you know, we've had some people leave, but that's where we're at. We finally passed 2,000 subscribers for the first time. So message board is really, really growing working on getting the proper tone of the message board where i like it you know there's been a lot of (laughs) angst and a lot of negativity lately which it's okay to you know not have you know we don't we don't have to have that everything is awesome mentality all the time but you know we don't have to complain about everything uh (laughs) brian kelly's not that coach anymore so we don't have to do that anymore but you know but that's part of a growing community right is it takes time to kind of mold it the way that we want it to be because we want it to be different but it's super, super exciting. And yeah, it, you know, it was, I bet on y'all, right? Like I I hired Ryan and 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 Sean with the thought that I think the folks are going to come through and we're going to continue to grow. It was based off the projection. And so far uh, it has certainly paid off and, and you all have come through for us. And I can't thank you enough. And we're just getting started. So here's what I'm going to ask all of you to do, because we have some really fun things. There's going to be, if you're a member uh, there's going to be some cool perks that are going to come out this summer. I'm just going to throw that little teaser out there. We're just now working on the format and the layout for it. That's all I'm going to say uh, that you'll get if you're a member, and uh, you know it's 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 going to be cool. So what I'm going to ask all you to do is continue to be part of what we're doing here on the chat, here on the uh, the message board, on the website, and and obviously on the YouTube channel. Continue to be a subscriber, but start sharing. What we're doing with other people, with other Notre Dame fan, fans that you know, they're not signed up on Irish Breakdown. Tell them about us, right? And if you hear some of that nonsense and those lies that get spread about us by others, let them know. Now that ain't true. I can assure you that. You know we got the intel, right? So <laughs> um, just let people know, like, hey, look, give us a give us a shot. And I and I've had people say, you know, I signed up, wasn't really a big fan of yours, but I signed up, and the board's great. Or I, I gave the show a shot, and I right. love it. So uh definitely definitely want to give that a shot so I want to thank you all again so much right and this has been such a fun ride <laughs> you know I was talking to my wife the other day Vince I'm like it's like two years ago yeah at this time Vince you and I were talking about like I don't know if this is gonna if we're gonna be able to make it because we had just like COVID had just hit they had just like we were just brutal. a couple weeks away from like everything getting shut down and and it was just like, man, I, you know, there's no, I'm a, I'm a sports site and there's no sports to cover. You know what I mean? But oh, it was terrible. We had two, some real two years loyal years ago people. was terrible. Yeah. We had some real loyal people sign up and they stayed with us and we've grown and grown and grown and grown. And it's just been an absolute blast. And my hope is that we're just getting started. I told Ryan, I said, I don't want you to be my only full-time employee for very long, Yeah, you know, and, right. uh, and that's where we're at. So, Loving what we've got going on, and it's all because of you guys. But we didn't come here for that today, right? We didn't come here for like a group hug and the kumbayas and all that, although I'm excited about it. And our topic for today, Vince, is the Notre Dame defense. And we're going to start talking about Marcus Freeman because, you know, Vince, you've been at practices. Ryan has been at practices. Sean's been at practices. And I've talked to a ton of sources about practices. And one of the things that I have kind of been told is, I've been told about a lot of changes that are happening on the Notre Dame defense. Okay. And just the role that that Al Golden is having. Like, he is really the voice of the Notre Dame defense. And I got to tell you, that says a lot to me about Marcus Freeman as a head coach. Yeah. Yep. Because for me, what that tells me, Vince, is that, what was the one big complaint about Brian Kelly? Like, if you're going to hire somebody to run the offense, let them freaking run the offense. Exactly. And right? that was
2: clearly not the case. Right. Clearly. And it was
1: all like kind of doing it his way. So what I'm hearing is there are certain philosophies that Marcus Freeman believes in that Al Golden has to believe in. And sure. the reason Al Golden was brought in is because he believes in those things. And that comes down to really an aggressive defense that's that's more about the players and letting them play fast and make plays than it is about us schematically trying to show everyone how smart we are. Right, that's the basic philosophy behind it. Now, after that, I hired you to run the defense, and and from what I'm told, it really sounds like he's allowing Al Golden and the new staff to do that. That says a lot about a 36 year old guy who is at the peak of the that side of the ball. I mean, he was considered one of the best defensive minds in the game. For him to give up that control like that, that quickly, says a lot about his view of what a head coach is supposed to be. Absolutely, and I think it speaks volumes about about Marcus because again, trust me, Marcus Freeman is involved. And if he sees something he's sure. not gonna like, he not, doesn't like, he's going to be involved. And that's but what a head coach does. To turn it over like that, and to show that faith in Al Golden right away to say, "Look, I'm hiring you to do a job. Now go do it." I mean, it just it says a lot. That
2: well, and and as a head coach, he's going to do the same thing on offense too. If he sees something that he doesn't like, he's going to say something. I mean, because that's what a head coach does. Now he hired, obviously, you know, Tommy Reese to run the offense and he's hired Al Golden to run the defense. And just to kind of expound on what you just said, being able to take a step back from the defense as the defense. I mean, he was the defensive coordinator. Those were his guys being able to take a step back from that and say, and, and allow Al Golden to be the defensive coordinator, right? That. I don't think people really understand how big that is. That's not easy to do. That is not easy to do. And to literally put it into words in that I can't stand over by the defense anymore at practice. I have to move around a little bit more. You know what I mean? To like have that in your head and to understand where I'm standing is actually going to make a big difference from a perception standpoint from the players. Because he can say – Everything that he wants, hey, Coach Golden is right. in charge of the defense, blah blah blah. Right. But if he's standing there at the linebacker, you know, drills, and he's standing on the defensive side of the ball all the time, is it really Al Golden's defense? You know what I right. mean?
1: And that's the key because that doesn't yeah. that doesn't matter for us. It doesn't matter for the not at all the egos between Marcus Freeman and Al Golden. You know, it, it, to a degree, it does. But, I mean, at the end of the day, if, if, if Marcus Freeman was still dictating everything, it would be successful to a degree because Marcus Freeman is a great defensive mind. You know, our our thing was I we felt like, look, I wouldn't actually mind seeing Marcus Freeman stay as the defensive coordinator. Yeah, Let we the, talked you know, about that. We talked and, about and, that. And so it, he's a great defensive mind. But here's the thing. If he is still doing that, then then the players kind of have what we complained about with the offense is like, well, who's really in charge here? Right. Right. Is it Brian Kelly? Is it Mike Denbrock? Is it Chip Long? Is it Tommy Reese? Is it Harry Hestan Like who's in charge here? Right. And and so to allow that that you know to out to allow Al Golden immediately to come in and say, Hey, guys, that's the leader of the defense. I'm the head football coach. You know, and again, Marcus Freeman's going to be involved with the defense. He's going to be involved in different things because it's just, you're not going to be able to just completely turn it off, nor should he. No, he should not. I mean, he's a great defensive mind. Why take that asset away from the defense? I don't want him hanging on the offense while they're having practice. Right. (laughs) You know, it's so important, however, for him to allow Al Golden and Al Washington and Chris O'Leary and Mike Mickens. And James Larnitis, who's the defensive GA, who's a, who's you know apparently has a, a big role in it too, to allow them to establish with the players that hey, we are in charge of this thing, right, right, and right. and and we are the ones that so you so you need to look at us because what can happen is you know you listen to them but then your eyes kind of drift over to the hey, exactly the former defensive coordinator, yeah, yeah. It's important that he allows that to to to, to be firm, and so and that
2: takes time to get that to where you want it to be. Right? right. And, and he's doing all the right things because at first when he first took over, you know, that that's what was going on because but that's just the way it is. They, they were looking to him all season and now all of a sudden he's the head football coach. Right. And, but they're always going to be, Oh, is coach Freeman cool with this? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that, right. That is, that doesn't happen overnight. Right. But He's doing the necessary steps from all, accounts right to make sure that that transition is a not only a smooth one
1: but a clear cut one
2: yeah and I think that that's really really important and I think Super a lot of important. people don't
1: really understand how important that that is how important it is and how hard it is yes look I'm just telling you right now if I became a head coach when I was 36 years old there's no way in hell I'd have given up the offense <laughs> right none. right none I mean it, it just because again Vince you know how I am with this job right like I'm a control freak. This is how I want it done. Like everything needs to be done the way that I want it done. Right. Sure, sure. And, and, you know, cause when you're in charge, like at the end of the day, if, if we put out a bad article, if we do no, nope, I'm the one that's ultimately responsible for it. Right. If exactly. we have a bad show, it's like, eh, you know, Driscoll carried it and Vince sucked. No, it's, Hey Driscoll, what's going on with the show. Right. Like I'm the one getting the emails as I should. Cause this, this is my, this is my company. Right. Same thing when you're the head coach. So it says a lot about Marcus Freeman to be able to say, Hey, look, this is my job. I hired you to do you to do that job now go do it. And I'm going to give you the authority to do it the way, you know, with, within the, within the philosophy of what I believe in, right. right? To go Mm -hmm. do it. I mean, it's an, it was important. It was an important step. And I think it was, it's going to allow Al golden to then take more have be more willing to say hey look I don't have to like you said Vince you made a good point like looking over your you you said it about the players I believe as you made it about the players but you also can kind of get that way as a defensive coordinator like yeah I wonder if if coach Freeman's gonna be okay with this sure and you know now it's just like look man this is your defense go do it and so yeah, we gotta talk about what that looks like Sure. I think that's the next piece to this, Vince, is what does it look like?
2: I, and I just want to add one more piece to that. Yeah. I think another, another really important aspect of this is that Al Golden has been a head coach. Right. And so he understands where Marcus Freeman is coming from, but he's also been a coordinator, right? So he understands both sides of it. And I think that that can be important. I, I, I think that... If he was just a coordinator in his whole career, could it still work? Absolutely, but at least he's coming from a place where he has been the guy in charge, where he's needed to lean on coordinators, etc. So he understands right. what Marcus Freeman is looking.
1: Yeah, for. that's a good point, and it's also so when Marcus Freeman does come to him with something like, "Hey, I, I, you know, I need this to be different or I need this to be better," he understands like, "Hey, that's right. what the head coach has to do." Right. Exactly. But when you allow that establishment, that established relationship and uh, an established hierarchy of 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 leadership on defense to be established and you've allowed him to kind of step in and say, Hey, this is his defense, right? You know, then there's going to be an immediate gain of trust from Al golden to Marcus Freeman. Cause look, the dynamic of a 51 year old former head coach who's now the coordinator and a 36 year old head coach who was playing in college when, when Al golden was, was recruiting five stars and building a defense at Virginia you know, that's not an easy thing and, and kudos to coach Freeman for, for, for number one, kudos to Al golden for, for being willing to take this kind of job. Sure. It's not the only offer he had. Right. And, and and it says a lot about his view of Notre Dame and his respect for Marcus Freeman, but then for coach Freeman to, to build it in a way immediately to say, Hey, look, it's like, you, you know, you got to take a step back first, then you can kind of get more involved. Right. And I think it's uh, I think it's worked out really well so far. So um now can we move on to kind of what it looks like? Absolutely. No. no Absolutely. Yeah, I mean it like that. It's like, I mean, that's a that's a really good point you you made. Yeah. So yeah. just make sure that nothing else like, really <laughs> popped in your head. <laughs> so right. it's always happening, I know. Just just gotta make sure that's I good. give you the opportunities to get it out, right?
0: <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed.
1: My wife likes to think of herself as a coffee expert, so when we decided to give trade coffees a try, she was excited to see what they had to offer, and we were not disappointed. After figuring out a short quiz that matches you with just the right coffee, we received the Holmes blend from Sparrows Coffee in Grand Rapids, Michigan. The Nostalgia Series blend that she received from Sparrows Coffee made an immediate impression as soon as she opened the box, and once she brewed the Holmes blend the next morning, she was able to enjoy a rich, smooth cup of coffee with a very robust flavor. My wife is quite picky about her coffees, but you can be sure that she'll once again be buying from Sparrows Coffee, and we'll be going back to Trade Coffee for another shot at getting a tasty blend from a regional company. You have to give Trade's Coffee a try. Trade's Coffee team actually tastes thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. There's no one perfect coffee, but there is a perfect coffee for you, and Trade's human-powered algorithm will find it. Trade is so confident they'll match you right the first time that if they don't, they'll take your feedback and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send a brand new bag for free. What we learned is that Trade Coffee sends you freshly roasted beans from 60 of the country's best craft roasters. Small businesses who pay farmers fair prices to substantially source the greatest beans from around the world. Trade's Coffee's experts personally taste over 450 roasts so they know exactly what to recommend for you. Just answer a couple of questions, and you get your own personalized variety of coffees delivered fresh to you as soon as you like. No gimmicks. Trade delivers a fresh bag of roasted coffee as whole beans or ground for however you brew it at home. And they guarantee you'll love your first order, or they'll replace it for free. Trade has delivered over 5 million bags of fresh coffee. And right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus shipping when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. So, Vince, let's kind of talk. And we got to be careful about get about. Going too in depth on the changes, right? Just because we don't want to be, you know, we don't want to give away too it's, much. And it's then not get, our job to give the scouting report to anybody else, right? You know? hey, hey, Ohio State, guess what they're doing? <laughs> um, but I think there, there are certainly some noticeable things, and and the one thing we will point out because this has kind of been obvious from from film that's been made available is Vince a ton more four down yes. in this defense. Yeah, that's a really good point that yes. we've seen even even when Isaiah Foskey's not playing. We've seen a ton of four down from this defense.
2: I honestly don't remember seeing three down, to be honest with you. Um now I wasn't Been a couple complete... times
1: in some nickel and some right seven I, on seven tight. I wasn't completely
2: focused it. on the defense either, but I remember seeing a heck of a lot of four down mm-hmm. stuff. Um way, way more than we've had in the recent history. Um and it was kind of trending towards a three down situation when Marcus Freeman was the head was the yeah. defensive coordinator, right? So um you've kind of got personnel now that can do both, which is right. which is a really good place to be, by the way. But uh but you're right. I have we have seen much more four down. I agree.
1: Right. And here's a, a philosophy that is gonna remain the same and, and if not expanded upon is what I'm told is Marcus Freeman's always believed in being a downhill, fast attacking defense. I mean, it, we saw it in the numbers last year, right? I mean, you know, you, you can say like, you know, Vince, the, the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. And we saw this. I mean, the, the Clark Lee's last defense in 2020 was pretty good, pretty good defense, right? I mean, it was a, a good group. It was the foundation of it. Notre Dame lost some really good players from that defense. Obviously they lost Jeremiah Uso lost Jalen sure. Hayes, you know, lost some good football players and yet they still went out this past year. And and had you know 41 sacks compared to 31 the year before, it was a lot more disruptive from a, a forced turnover standpoint. And yep. so we yep. started to see that take place, despite the fact you were you know, missing your best linebacker, you know, there were you know your your all American safety goes down in first quarter of game seven, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera right. So uh, you really look at it now, and you there's some really good talented players coming back. But the reality is, is it's going to still be an aggressive, attacking, disruptive defense. But from what I'm told, and we won't get into too many specifics because we have seen some of it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a, the, the blitz packages are going to be, um, how, how do I say this, Vince? A little bit more and a little bit more disruptive, a little bit more. Uh, Just really trying to 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 be um, keep teams on their toes. I guess is the best way to put it.
2: And with without and obviously I'm not being too specific, but we talked. Remember when we talked about the wide receivers and Mm -hmm. what they were learning early is is kind of your point of emphasis, right? And and it's what what you stress is what you believe, right? One of the things that I've seen at every single practice that we've been to is working stunts. And stunts and blitzes and, you know what I mean? But just the the defensive line and the the linebackers working together on their timing. Right. And, you know, this guy goes here, this guy goes. They do that every single time. That tells me that's really, really important with what they're wanting to do. They're wanting to, you know, get downhill and they're wanting to move and slant and all of these different things up front. And I think that's really important um to understand it's going to be different I mean you're going to see some similarities you're going to see a similar philosophy obviously but it's going to be different you're going to notice even even novice people who don't necessarily understand what a defense is supposed to be or what it's supposed to look like right Mm -hmm. you're going to notice a difference in my opinion I I really do believe that
1: right and the thing I like about it too from what we've seen is it's it's a sound structure it's Mm -hmm. an aggressive structure but it's a sound structure I've the few things I've seen on the film you guys have sent me and the, the people I've talked to is like, you never know what's going to come, but it, there's always a, there's always a method to the madness. Yeah. Which is really important, which that's always the first thing that people ask me, right. Uh, when Whenever I talk about, you know, blitzes and things like that, people are, people automatically is it, here's, here's what it comes down to and a former NFL coach that's going to run a a diverse defense and attack from. Oh, isn't that what Brian Van Gorder? N- no, <laughs> Brian Van Gorder was bad at his job. It wasn't the problem. wasn't an NFL coach or being you know being aggressive blitzes. It was his ability to to plan those things out and to call them. So no, it's not the same. It's not the same thing. And that's always the first thing I get from people whenever I bring that up. But uh, so when you when you look at that, Vince, I think that's important. But I think part of that too, Vince, is getting personnel back. I think we would have seen an even more aggressive defense last year if Maris Lufau doesn't get hurt, for example. Right. Sure, you know because Marcus Freeman has said, and, and the coaches have said, uh, Marcus Freeman has praised Maris Lufau publicly for just his disruptiveness. And then we've talked to people, um, you know, at at, at uh, you know, client of, around the program that have talked about like, and we've reported on this during the summer. I mean, before spring practice and recently that you know, they've said, look, Maris Lufau was their best pass rusher last year. You know, I mean, as a blitzer and things like that, and 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 that's the one thing Bo bauer has been really good at in, in his careers is, is as a pass rusher. So I think that's going to factor into it as well. Sure. Vince, is that sure. it's? I think Marcus Freeman did what he did last year because J.D. Bertrand wasn't a great blitzer, right? And as we saw, I mean, there was wh- misses against was North misses in Carolina, the yeah. misses against Oklahoma State because <clears> he he lacked that length. Well, you know, the will is the position they like the blitz from. Mike exposes you a little bit more. It's easier yep. to protect a will or a Sam or slash Rover fire than it is to protect the Mike fire. And, and so that obviously helps is your personnel getting that personnel right is going to be a big part of it. Well, and it's exciting to
2: hear that. And, and again, I, I want to make sure people understand it's not a compare contrast between Freeman and golden or anything like that, but there are some really, really good players on the defensive side of the ball, right. and to allow them to just kind of be themselves and be athletes and be right. athletic is very exciting to me Right? Uh, because there's guys that can make some plays. Yeah, are there's more zones
1: well. yes. this year than there was last yeah. year because you got to remember, like, last year going into the season, you had lost Maris to an injury. You know, Isaiah had a lot of talent, but, you know, he didn't have a good it's spring. Un- unproven. I right, mean, very yeah. unproven. Didn't have a great spring. Didn't sure. have a great fall camp. Uh, just because I have a feeling that Isaiah Fosky's just one of those, and Vince, you've had him, I've had him, everybody has him. Where it's not a lack of effort in practice, it's just, just I can't ramp it up like right. you know, in, in practice the way that I do in games. He's just a gamer, you know. We, we've talked about that, and so you, I think you now say, "Hey, look, I look when the lights are bright. I know Isaiah is going to bring it." That's the thing we've talked about. Isaiah Foskey, he had his biggest, some of his biggest plays best plays were in biggest moments you know the right. strip sack against cincinnati that got him back in the game the big plays against oklahoma state key sack against florida state i mean he was he was big in big moments yeah right absolutely he's got some khalid kareem to him in that regard
2: yes absolutely uh, so when when,
1: when when i you know so you know what he can do right jason adamiola raised his level of play last year so you know you kind of know what he's gonna do you know the minimum of what you're gonna get from cam hart now right like you know what brandon joseph can do whereas last year there was a lot of uncertainty Beside Kyle Hamilton, well, Hamilton and Joseph very similar. You know what they can do, but now we've seen Isaiah or uh, Ramon Henderson play some safety. You know we've seen Xavier Watts, and and Maris Lufau's back, and you know now now J D has a year of experience under his belt, even though he's not really practicing right now. The point being. There's a lot more knowns on this right. defense than there were a year ago, even though, you know, you lost a couple really good veteran players and, and a few really drew white, obviously is a big loss from a veteran leadership standpoint. He was a good, fo- uh, underrated football player, as we've talked about. You know, Kurt Heinisch was a good football player. Myron Tunga is was a good football player. Kyle you've Hamilton already had, better than average, but you've already gotten rid of. You've already gotten used to not having. That's true because he was gone for half the season. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. You've already played without sure. him, and you just replaced him with another All American, right? right? Who You know what he can do. That's true, he, and that that also think, could
2: qualify as a known, right?
1: Well, I mean, that's you, what I'm saying. Like, yeah. not that he is Kyle Hamilton. They're different players, but it's it's right. Brandon Joseph is a known commodity. You know, I mean, you you have two years worth of film of what he can do at Northwestern. Right. Now it's about fitting him into what you do, and he's played. He's had a monster he's spring from everyone. He's fun to talk to. He's fun to watch. Yeah, I'll just say that. And and so there's a lot more known. You had no clue. We had no clue what Cam Hart was going to do last year. Now nope. you were on the Cam Hart oh. train. We, you know, I was on it sure. with you, but you were driving that sucker. I mean, he <laughs> right. was the captain of that, and it ship. worked out. I mean, it worked out right last year. But it now. was still, even you would admit that yeah. he's now oh, got to go show it. Absolutely, right. He's got and another he level to his game, and he did. And and, and so there's a lot more knowns. I yeah. think that Al Golden is working with more knowns than what Marcus Freeman was working with last year, which also helps sure. and allows you to add more because Marcus Freeman would have added more to his package than what absolutely. we've seen. So it's good to see – and the other thing we've heard is Al Golden has thrown a lot at the defense in spring. And it's like – I mean, and and that's kind of partly why early on the offense was having some success, is they were learning that. But as they've kind of started to figure out, you're hearing more and more about how even when the offense maybe starts well – the defense recovers and then starts making their plays, which is what you want to hear about practice. You don't want to hear that one side dominated the other week after you know no. practice,
2: after practice. You want it to be, hey, right. defense was really good this week, and then right. the offense was really good this day. Right. If you hear it's the same group over and over and over, you're like, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> that so we're hearing year.
1: that back and forth, and just from yeah. day to day. But also, like we had a an interview that uh, that that Sean did with Jacob Odin and he talked about how the practice he was at I think it was a Saturday practice and he was like you know the offense was really taking it to him early but then the defense rebounded and finished strong like that's kind of how you want to hear a practice that's go great. yeah that's great to be honest with you but so i think and i think the coverages are going to look a lot different you know and we're not going to get too much into the specifics but you know we're we're going to see a lot of different coverage structures and and again with the the theory of, or the, the philosophy of hey we're going to be aggressive but we're also going to try to do things to to get the offensive, especially the quarterback Sort of unsure of what he's saying.
2: That's great. And, 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 and in that's college important. football, in college football, if you can make the quarterback hesitate, in even if it's just for a beat, if you can make him hesitate because he's thinking you've won, right? Because this, the, the way college football is these days, it's about quick decision making, getting the ball out, you know, RPO type stuff. If you can make the quarterback hesitate and not really sure of what he's seeing or what he's looking at, that's a win for the defense. And so that, that's exciting to me is that that's, that's a goal is to make the quarterback hesitate because I I think that that's, that's even more so important nowadays than it was even 10, 20 years ago, right? Right. Because at 10, 20 years ago, you're going through your, you know, five-step drop, you're going through your progressions. It's just a, it's a bit of a slower mental game, but now it's like, you gotta be, you gotta be move, move, move. And if you can hesitate at all, that's really good for the
1: defense. And the more we've heard about how practice has gone on, the more we're hearing about the secondary making more plays. You know, like, like so like early in fall and spring practice, I was hearing from people like how good the receivers looked and no one can guard Lorenzo Styles and Braden Lindsay's making a lot of plays. I've had a couple people I've talked to that have been at some of the more recent practices and they're like, man, the receivers get no separation. Hmm. Like that's a good sign. I mean, you know what I mean. Like it's it's the 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 secondary players are starting to step up and 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 play much better. But I think we're going to see a different coverage structure this year a little bit. And and it's just it's gonna again it's all it's there's a hey we're gonna uh, the big key number one we need to allow the defensive players to play fast right less thinking more moving right like moving meaning ball snap go right right Uh, I think that we also see there's. It's kind of interesting. I feel like Al Golden philosophically, from what I hear about how practices go and things like that, he's kind of he's got a lot of things in common with Coach Freeman. He's also got a little bit of Clark Lee to him in that apparently he's like super detail oriented about what where like lining up from a you know line up this way, good attack this way, tackle this way, but go play fast, right? And, and so I, I like that from what I'm hearing as well. Again, this is just what we're hearing. We got to see, we don't get to see that. it. Then. We haven't really I'm had an opportunity letting, to you know kind of the things that we're seeing. I've I'm... been on the phone a lot the last few sure. days, just kind of, cause I'm, you know, you start to, here's how an idea like today comes Vince. It's, you know, I start hearing things and I'm like, oh, we should do a show on that, but you know, I want to, I want to see more of it. You know, sure. well, now we're a weekend, you know, we're a little over a week away from the blue gold game. We've seen, you know, we're, we're they're 10 deep into practices, 10 plus deep into practices. You kind of feel like you have a good idea. So then it's time to, Hey, let me talk to this person and that person and the other person. And then you start saying, OK, yeah, I feel like I haven't. I'm hearing enough consistency from people that I feel like I'm at a place where I can say this is what they're doing. So you know, it's good to see it. And now it's about, OK, so this spring has been a lot about, OK, learn. You know, they've changed calls. They've changed. I mean, he's allowed Al Golden, from what I understand, to change a lot more. Then maybe you'd otherwise think from a calls and, and terminology standpoint, which is kind of what Marcus Freeman did last year. You know, yeah. he changed a lot more than we thought he was going to change based on what he said. We're going to keep a lot of things the same, and you know, so so I think that's a good thing. But they're starting to kind of figure it out, from what I'm told, and they're letting them loose too. But I, the other thing too is like there hasn't been any Cam Hart this spring. Right. JD Bertrand hasn't been able to do any live stuff foskey's been a little bit limited i was actually told that foskey hasn't done a t- ton in scrimmages but apparently like one of the recent practices they let him play more in scrimmages and it just so happened that that was what i was also told "Damn, eh, for some reason it was the best practice we've had on defense all year i'm like hmm <laughs> i think i might know why it's number seven <laughs> yeah you know? so he's pretty decent he's pretty good but you know there's no jason out of me all oh, this spring and so right. You know to hear it's the a defense, pieces, happens, right? So you're seeing these. You know you're seeing Howard Cross get a ton of work. You're seeing Jacob Lacey get a ton of work. You know you're seeing R- Riley Mills get a ton of work. And the more we hear about him, the better. The better we hear. You know your Bo Bowers getting his chance to go show something this spring. He's it's put up or shut up time. You know Clarence Lewis is getting a lot of work, but you know what? So is Ryan Barnes. So is Philip Riley. So is Chance Tucker. So those things are all good. I mean, they're all good, Vince. And and I and I love hearing all those things, but. Now it's also about okay. The philosophy is is what we talked about. Yeah, love everything I'm hearing. Aggressive, let the players play fast, be disruptive, be disruptive physically and mentally. Right, that's a key, and 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 that's something that Marcus Freeman wanted to bring to the table last year, but there were some things that happened injury wise and guys learning and different sure. things that kind of kept them from getting to that point plus honestly a thing that hurt Marcus Freeman last year too and and we started to see this late cuz about middle of the season once like after the North Carolina game it's like the defense got real pissed off and just went nuts the rest of the way when Marcus was when coach Freeman was running the defense but the thing that hurt him too is when your offense can't score you have to you you have to be a little less aggressive you can't mm-hmm. take a chance of giving up a big play when you don't have faith that your offense, can it's a really score. good point.
2: That's a that's and, and you kind of touched on that yesterday or two days ago when we were doing the show together. And I said that I really feel like the offense is going to pull their weight this year, mm-hmm. and, and and but that in turn allows the defense to be more aggressive because they're not as worried. Okay, if we're too, if we take a shot here defensively and it doesn't work out for us, and the other team scores, what are we going to do? Because the mm-hmm. offense can't match that score. Right. Right? So now, okay, hey, if we if we go here and we succeed, it's going to be great. But if we happen to not and they go down and score, our offense is going to have our back and they're going to be able to go down and match that score. That is huge for a defense. That is huge for a defense, not only from like from a play calling standpoint, but from a playmaking standpoint, because there's a lot of times when you're on defense and you don't have a whole lot of faith that your offense can go down and put points on the board you hesitate you aren't as aggressive as maybe you should be I mean there's just and maybe you don't even mean to do it but you do and I I think that that will be alleviated this year with what how I feel the offense is going to take off I think the defense is going to be able to play with its hair on fire
1: yeah it gives you more freedom to say look we can take this chance I can bring this corner fire knowing that if it doesn't hit they may rip a big play on us because I know Tommy Rees and the offense can get it back for us. Right. It's a big, big a thing that, that they thing. didn't have last year. Right. They haven't had for several years. It, it, that's that's also say. part of why Clark Lee was such because Clark Lee was a real conservative coach. Like, don't give up the big plays. And that fit really well with like in 2020, kind of what they had a ball control offense that you know was you know, it just yeah. it fit really well. Well, you know, Marcus Freeman wants to be more disruptive, and he tried to run early, early on, tried to run the stuff he ran at Cincinnati, and then he realized, yeah, I don't have. I don't have Amad Gardner and Kobe Bryant at corner. You can't do this, and you had to change. But and then they kind of get to the bowl game, and they're still trying to play man again. Back to playing man again, and it just wasn't working. And they didn't have the answers. The, the, you know, that staff, like I said, is is not it's not the same staff anymore. So right, right, it's going to be interesting, Vince. But but I want to talk next about okay. Now we have an idea of what the philosophy is. We have an idea of what it, things are going to look like. You know, what are the big? Th- what are the things that Notre Dame now has to do practically? to be an elite defense. They were really good last year. They were not elite. Agreed. There were too many bad games Agreed. for the defense last year. And yeah. Same thing with you know when you look at like 2019 there were just too many bad games. You know Michigan obviously being one of them. Even and even in 2020 there were just times where you're just like okay you know you guys were good during the regular season when you were playing a bunch of nobodies but then you know you play you play one good offense and and you get shredded with their backup quarterback. You know and then that same offense, shred you in the championship game, get shredded by Bama, and it's just like, okay, you've got to take it to – there's another level you got to get to. Yeah, right. right. And so to me, it, it, there are things that they have to do practically. Some of them are very specific. Some of them are more big picture that we need to see and you know say, hey, look, okay, we're hearing this. Now here's the next step for Al Golden. And we had a comment. Somebody, somebody uh, had a comment earlier about – when they're listening to players talk, the players talk a lot about tackling and Vince, you've, you've know, noted this. I saw this in the videos. Chris sent me the other day. Uh, other people I've talked to that have been at practice have, have talked about this. And that is that they spend a lot of time on the, the art of tackling.
2: Yeah. And yep. I
1: think it has to be something that you spend a lot of time on now in, in the modern era. Cause you can't just go out and tackle. There's too much knowledge now, I believe of what, what, yeah what it does to the body when you tackle to the ground every single right. day right and and so you, you can't do that anymore and that's one of the things i'm actually okay with at first i was against that because it was me too like, you know that's i grew up and i don't believe it's not that, how but, we did it but, <laughs> but you know you, you hear some coaches like hey look no 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 no, that's actually a good thing here's why Now he's it better for the young people but if you're not tackling it allows you to do more things that actually teach you how to tackle right and the proper technique and things like that so you know, we've heard a lot about that because look, the reality is is, and this isn't this isn't true of just last year. This has been a problem for about three years now, really since 2018, 19, 20, and 21, especially. This is a defense that missed way too many tackles and especially missed tackles in big moments. And that's something yes. that just I, that I, has to change. You here's the thing, Vince. If that's all that improves from last season, this defense will be much better. That's if, a really know, good point, if they were yeah. just better tacklers, they'd have beat Oklahoma State. Right. Absolutely.
2: Because they had opportunities in the backfield. They had opportunities in space on the outside to make plays and make drive
1: ending plays.
2: Yes, absolutely. Or difference between a field goal and a touchdown plays. You know what I mean? Like that was very clear and very obvious. And it it just felt like Notre Dame was in position to make big plays Mm -hmm. in the backfield so many times. Right. And they would just run by Out the ball position, carrier or too you know,
1: high. the yeah. technique was poor yes the big bad angles of the football they're just, just they a just lot make of those things, plays yeah
2: it makes a huge difference because yeah. now you're talking about a second and long or a third and long which is a completely right. different scenario than a first down right or a second and one well, it's like whatever. it's like
1: the drive at the end of the second first half against oklahoma state it's like 28 to 7 first down perfectly called blitz jd bertrand comes flying through and just whiffs just yeah. misses because yep. he's too high. He doesn't come to balance. And and the thing is, like, I'd rather you come to balance and force him to throw it away than run by him, let him scramble for 20 yards. Right. You know, exactly. I mean, that that's the big thing there is Or slow him it, down. You know, get in front right. of him, slow him down, allow right. your buddies to get there. Right. You know? There All were of two issues to me. There were yeah. three issues to me. Number one, you had some guys who just weren't athletically or size-wise good enough tacklers like it just they're just not going to be a good dj brown love the kid he just he's always going to struggle against in space against better athletes so just you know now but can there be things he can improve from a taking proper angles and a fundamental standpoint to make him better yes jd bertrand is always going to have some issues as a will linebacker sort of in space because he's just not long right drew white had some of those issues So, what can you do to make sure that he's not, you know, he's taking better angles to where if he doesn't make the play, he's at least turning the guy back into someone who can? Those are different, those are little things where, like, it's not even necessarily about you making a tackle there, but you being in proper position to where, in order to avoid you, that the guy has to go somewhere else instead of slipping by you and then running into the gap you just came from. Right. Exactly. Which is what was happening last year. So, there was a lot of fundamental aspects that needed to be improved upon that we're hearing is, is, is being a, a real big point of emphasis this year. And, and so, and it was, it was something that they worked on last year, but I think it was one of the things that it was going to take some time to really get going. And it sounds like they're doing that. Like from what I'm told too, they're putting the defensive players in a lot of bad spots or ba- like not, not bad spots in drills. They're doing a lot of things to put them in tough matchups against the offense to, to kind of, you know you want to bring about failure because like if you can start making tackles in this drill right then we're going to be good well when we get to game just kind of the way you look
2: at it just for example in the the video and i think you i don't know if you actually made it into the highlights or not it but, didn't okay so yeah. what what they had is they had the defensive player basically laying on his back if i if i if i remember correctly mm-hmm. and the it was just a little five a yard dump. it was on a oh, stomach, stomach. They had okay a, right it was it like, was,
1: they had kind of got cut.
2: It's yeah. Kind of that thought. And process. so it was just a little five yard, just getting warm for the quarterbacks. And then the receiver would catch it and he would break up field and the, the defensive the wow, defensive player, which was mostly linebackers had to get up off the ground and then go make that play. And so that is a, that's a great, easy drill. There's not a lot of contact. It's just about angles. It's about getting to where you need to be all of those different things. And it, it goes along with everything that you just said about all of that stuff, right? It, it Slowing him up, making angles. You don't have to be the most athletic guy in the world, but you need to be in the right spot at the right time, and then it allows your buddies to come and help you out as well. So all of those different things, we're seeing drill work that is directly uh, proportionate to the issues that we saw on the field last year, and I, I think that that's a great job by the staff.
1: So tackling to me Vince has to be at the top of the list because if that gets better, that makes other things we're going to talk about better. And there's two things to me Vince, or well there's really three things for me that I look at defensively that I say there's still room for improvement. Right? And not talent-wise, just you know technically, schematically, sure. execution-wise. Number 1, they have to there's still a lot of room for improvement against the run. And, you know, there were times last year against the run, vents where they were really, really good. And, and, you know, we can point out some of those times. Obviously, you know, completely shut down Purdue's run game. They held Wisconsin to just 78 yards and 2.8 yards per carry. Held Cincinnati to just 93 yards, 3.1 yards per carry. Cincinnati and had a couple scrambles in that game, too, that got them some of their yards. Yeah. You know, held Virginia to 82 yards, held Stanford to 55. They stink. Held Georgia Tech to 128 and only 3.7 yards a carry. You know, Navy got 166, but it was only 3.0 yards per carry, and it was almost 100 yards below their season average. Held USC to just 129, 3.9 per carry. Held Virginia Tech to 127, 3.4 per carry. You know, held Toledo to 124. That was well below their season average, only 4.1 per carry. And 66 of that, 67 of those, 124 yards, Vince against Toledo. Came on on one one run and about 90 of those yards came on two plays. Yeah. Right. And and so there was a lot of good things. But then there's two sixty four against Florida State. There's two twenty four against North Carolina. And then, of course, two thirty four against Oklahoma State. And it just there was a lot of inconsistency. And so they've got to get better against the run. And there was something that was said the other day. And I think it was Coach Freeman that said it. That was really encouraging. And he said, you know, we've been really good right up the middle. And I think that's key because they haven't always been really good right up the middle. That's true. On all three levels of the defense against the run in recent seasons.
2: No, that's a really good point. And, uh, but you have, and, and that's where it starts. I mean, when you're, when you're talking about a defense, it starts in the middle and working your way out. Right. So it's important to understand that that's a great place to start. But then you have to be able to make tackles on the perimeter. If you're going to be forcing them and bouncing them out, then you have to be able to tackle in space. And mm-hmm. that comes right back down to what
1: we were just talking about. Right. So, and I think one thing, and this is kind of my second thing, it kind of ties together. Notre Dame was really good at getting after the quarterback last year. It helps that you had an individual pass rusher like Isaiah Foskey, but he only had, what, like what, 11 and a half of the 41 sacks? And just to put it into perspective, I think the previous high in sacks before last year, Vince, it's like 34. They had 34 in 2019, 34 in 2018, and I believe they had 33 in 2012 with that unit, which was pretty good. And last year you had 41. There was only one guy on your whole roster that had more than five. That was Isaiah Foskey. There's a lot of guys that were able to get pressure. So I think schematic that showed that the, the scheme was good. It would be, you were able to get guys free. You had a lot of different guys that could get after the quarterback, but you know, and, and I think there's another level there, I think consistency wise, but the bigger thing for me that I was disappointed by is 41 sacks should have resulted in over a hundred tackles for loss mm-hmm. and they only had 82. They actually had fewer tackles for loss last year than they had in 2020. And, and we saw, especially saw a big, they had 90 tackles for loss in just 12 games in 2020. Last year, they only had 82, and 12 and a half of them were from Isaiah Foskey. The production at linebacker went way down from a tackles for loss mm-hmm. standpoint. And that was obviously not a good thing. And so, to me, the tackle for loss production has to get a lot better. And I think that ties in to better run defense. Sure. Because a lot of times tackles for loss are happening on first and second down. And, you know, for Notre Dame to have the same number of sacks as they had run game tackles for loss, because that's – so basically, you know, it's the run game production. The sack – so sacks count as tackles for loss. Absolutely. So if Notre Dame had 82 tackles for loss last year and 41 sacks, it means they had 41 stops behind the line in the pass game and 41 stops behind the line in the run game. To me, you want to have at least 60 more – you want to have at least 60 run stops. You know, keep your sack numbers the same. You know forty to forty five be in that range, but give me sixty plus ta- run tackles for loss, which gets you to over hundred. I think that's a very fair number. And if you look at some other teams last year uh, that were were really good in in the sack game, they also were really good in the in the in the tackle for loss game. And I think Texas, I mean the Oklahoma State, is a perfect example. Like Bama last year had fifty seven sacks last year. Now that was in two more games than Notre Dame played, right? So they were at three point eight. Uh, they were at 3.8 tackles for a lot. I mean, sacks per game, Notre Dame, just give me a second here to pull this back up. Notre Dame was at 3.2. So again, that's with, and that was with the best pass rush in the country on their roster. All right? So Notre Dame's not too far off there. And sure. again, if Notre Dame tackles better, they're right there in sack Absolutely. numbers with Alabama, but here's the difference. Alabama last year had 121 tackles for loss right and so you know and again now again that that's more games but so that's you know that's 64 run stops 57 pass stops right so you had over 60 tackles for loss oklahoma state last year uh i believe led the nation in sacks last year they, did. they were another team they had 56 sacks and their tackle for and they had uh 117 tackles for loss right and so
2: that's about 60
1: right 61 yeah Right. So, again, that's where you want to be. Yeah. You want to have about 60 to 65 run stops to really have that kind of this all around disruptive defense, because I wouldn't call Notre Dame's defense last year super disruptive. As I much either. as I would say they were really good pass rushers. Sure. And there's a difference. And, you know, again, I, I look at another team that was that was really good last year. Pitt last year had 113 tackles for loss, 54 sacks. That gets them at like fifty nine. So again, yeah. you're seeing a th- you're seeing that pattern, right, Vince? So you want to be at about sixty run stops per game. Do that, and all per of a sudden year, per you're year. De- per, per year. Yes, that'd per, be really good. One game. game, one heck of a freaking game. <laughs> um, Jeron Jones almost had that against Miami a couple years ago. It's right, uh, but uh, you know, per year, and that impacts your run game. Yeah, you know, that's that's a cup. That's a. I mean, that's. I mean, you talk about 60 per game. You know, Notre Dame plays, that's like 4.6 per game, right? For Notre Dame. You know, last year, tackles for loss, they were, no, I'm sorry, that's not correct. Uh, 60. So last year, they were at 41, right, Vince? Yeah. So you, that is 3.2 per game. We're talking 4.6 to 4.8 per game. You're about that's another like game, almost a, tackle two and a half per two game, tackle. right? That's exactly. Right. Well, what happens is, is those kind of things kind of build on each other because most Absolutely. of those of those run stops behind the line happen on first and second down. Well, when you're making those stops on first and second down, that means you're more successful against the run, right? You're creating more stops behind the line, but it also means that you're now getting them in more obvious passing situations, and that's where your defense is a sweet spot, Right. So it helps your, if you're run, if your tackles for loss numbers, if you're more disruptive on first and second down, Vins it then makes the best part of what you do, which is getting after the quarterback even better. And it protects your secondary because you're getting more third nines and fewer third and fours. Right. Absolutely. And, and so again, that's a big part of it is being more disruptive against the run, not just specifically, you know, being better against the run. What does that mean? We're trying to offer a legitimate thing you got to be good up the middle, but also you need to be more disruptive against it. I think that's going to be an ultimate key is is seeing more of that tackle for loss production against the run taking a big jump this season. We we need to see that. And that's been true for a while, Vince. I mean, you know, but like in past years, you know, you'd kind of see it where they were getting closer to that number. You know, they had 59 run stops in the year before. They had 90 tackles for loss in 2020 and 30 and 31 sacks you know 2019 they had 34 sacks and they had 92 tackles for loss you know again you're getting closer you're in those high 50s if this team can kind of get back to that with the improved pass rush i think you can see this defense really become problems and then you kind of get into that third piece which is force more turnovers right they were opportunistic last year when it came to forcing turnovers but i think this defense can and needs to get better at actually forcing more turnovers
2: Well, and again, I think that the offense taking off the way that I think that they're going to take off, and I'll say we, I think you think they're going to be really good too, is that you're going to be able to take more opportunities and more chances to get those turnovers, right? You're going to have more chances to go after the ball. You're going to have more opportunities to kind of extend yourself a little bit, and those create turnovers, right? Um, so I, I think the turnover number is going to go up just because the Notre Dame offense is going to be better and then that, and that allows the defense to take more chances. So I think, that's right. all, I think that it's all part and parcel. It's amazing how all right. the pieces kind of fit together.
1: Because if you just look at the numbers last year, Notre Dame was pretty good in forcing turnovers, Vince. I mean, they ranked 11th, I think, in the right. country last year, 25 force turnovers. Right. But there's another level to there to where what I thought they were good at last year was getting some clutch turnovers. Sure. Sure. Like drive killing turnovers. What I'd like to see is more total disruptive because they were consistent. Here's what they did last year in turnovers forced three, one, two, five, one, two, two, one, zero, two, 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 two. two. Right. And, and they forced a lot of fumbles, 10 fumbles, but only 15 picks. And, and so I think, like I said, I think that there's another, there's another level for them to get to when it comes to that disruption. Uh, from a from a force fumble standpoint, from an interception standpoint, I from an intercept. I think you're right. going to see The interceptions go up this year, but I, I think I, I the really o- yeah. I think the other thing for me though, Vince, is I, I think that there's a there's where there needs to be a really big jump this year. Is and what will lead to the turnovers is and it all kind of bleeds together. Is they need to be more disruptive against the throwing game, and they were not last year. On- they were only disruptive in that they were able to get sacks. And had some clutch interceptions, but Notre Dame last year ranked 68th nationally in passes defensed, which is a, and they actually did a, they were actually kind of kind of high up there in, in interceptions. They ranked 14th in interceptions. So if they weren't getting an interception, they weren't getting their hands on the football. But they weren't getting their hands on the ball. Right. That, that's the key. Right. They were 88th. Being, yeah. Last year right. in passes to def- pass breakups. Right. That to me is is got to get. That's that's and I think that's where zone. You know, being able to mix up your zones could help you out a little bit, but it's also where being more disruptive up front, being more disruptive, being more rangier, that's where Ameris Lua Foul can help you. Sure. Those are some areas, Vince, where I really feel like they have to get better. The disruptive aspects of it has to get better. So, I mean, we're, we're putting the numbers there. I mean, th- these are things that you look at and say, boy, that's, you know, that in Georgia last year, for example, which who I didn't think necessarily had a great secondary, but they were a very opportunistic secondary last year. They ranked, they were second in total. And, and Georgia only had one more interception than Notre Dame in, in despite playing two more games. They had 16 picks. Notre Dame had 15. But they had 62 pass breakups to Notre Dame's 38. Right. Big difference. The huge difference. Yeah. And, and it wasn't just the defensive backs. It was, I mean, the front, you know, getting their hands up, exactly. things like that. Yeah. They're all parts of it. And there was a, I mean, we were we were watching them do a drill. Where they were working on getting your hands up when you see the quarterback trying to get rid of the ball. Yeah. And that's early in fall camp. And it then, was
2: the first day or second. Like yeah. It was the first or second yeah. time we were there. the
1: first well, it was yeah. the first practice. It was the first
2: practice with no pads even yeah. on. They were working yeah. on batting balls down. Like yeah. I have never seen Notre Dame work that drill before. And, yeah. and again, I'm not at every practice.
1: Uh, Mike Elko did a lot of that stuff. Okay. Not that specific drill, but Mike Elko did a lot of that stuff because he, he was a big believer in. You know, if you're going to go out there and, and, and do that, you know, you need to really make sure that you're practicing it. And when Mike Elko was the defensive coordinator that one year, they had 52 pass breakups. Right. That season, you right. know, which which ranked 27th in the nation. So, you know, I think that that, you know, and then the next year under Clark Lee with those same principles, they were 10th with right. 64 pass breakups. You know, so and that was obviously with with Julian Love playing cornerback, which certainly sure. helps. Yeah, you know, but then the next year, you know, the further you get away from Mike Elko, you're you're 65th the next year with only 43 pass breakups, uh, and, and you know, you just you you, got, you see a jump back in 2020 where they did a pretty good job in 2020 and then you're kind of back down it needs to get back up to being more disruptive and and being better in that regards what helped 2020 was they honestly just played a lot of bad teams yes they did i just look people got to understand like 2020 the defense was not as good as people think it was they just played some really crap teams and and that was a terrible schedule which is why Clemson shredded them with their backup quarterback right i mean you know just people the forget of it.
2: people forget the manner in which the defense played in that game. Right. right, because Notre Dame won, and so you forget a lot of stuff, right? I mean, you forget some of the the warts from that game. Right, because Notre Dame now, won that
1: game. had to bail him out a couple times with big plays. Right. And, Absolutely, you but, know, got beat down the field and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there, but, there were some holes. But yeah, there DJ Uyunglele had a day. <laughs> like, <And> he hasn't <laughs> had a day like that since. No, he hasn't. <laughs> that's that's a good point. He has not. So I'm sure he's licking his chops. Somebody for, say, uh, why, "Why did DJ Uyunglele? Did I say it right? Job, yeah, okay." Right. Get so much hype last year. I was like, two reasons: one, he was a five-star recruit; yep. two, Notre Dame. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Because he, it, you cannot blame that loss on him. No, you cannot blame that no. on him. No question. We put that on the offensive line and the fact <laughs> that Jeremiah Wusu is just a monster. I mean, right. that's just that's just what it is. I mean, Jeremiah just, I mean, played like a he played like a star. I mean, you, you we always said this in big games, your stars got to be stars. Like stars. exactly. And Jeremiah did that against Clemson. I mean, he led to 10 points. Yes. I mean, he he generated Wait, 10 points. Scored a touchdown. He scored a touchdown. And then a, a series later, he gets beat on third down by Amari Rogers, and he strips him from behind. Right. Nick McLeod recovers it. The offense lost three yards on the ensuing drive, and they still kicked the field. <laughs> I <Right? laughs> forgot it's about like, that. You have a minus drive, and you still get points. <laughs> right? I mean, oh, that I thank you defense. That. Appreciate yeah, it. Right. You exactly. Because it was a 13 13 game till he did that. Yeah. And, and so, you know, but but that's the other thing, too, is I, I do think that that's my neck, my final piece. It's actually, and I didn't even mean to segue into that. My final piece for me on defense is they need stars to emerge on the second and third level.
2: Yes. Agreed. And,
1: and they, they had it last year at times, but I'm going to be honest with the events, and this isn't going to be a popular thing. Kyle Hamilton played like a star at times last year. I'd say the two worst games he ever had were also both last year. He was terrible against Toledo. He was terrible against Cincinnati. Cincinnati the two, yeah. You know, and and, and, hey. and there was other times where you're like, yeah, hey, he's not playing. And he, he would make the highlight plays, but just the consistency wasn't there, especially in the past game. And, and so even, even then, like, he played like a star, but it wasn't consistent. But you had no star player in the second level. Right. You had right. some good, solid players, but you didn't have a star there. They need more. They need Jason Adamiola to play like a star. He flashes that. Right. They need that consistently. They, they need Maris to step up and be. a star. They, they then, need Cam Hart to step up and be. They need star. two guys on defense. They need Cam Hart and and Brandon Joseph and and Ryan Roberts has kind of been riding a Brandon Joseph train like you've been riding a Cam Hart train like Ryan's down there not like yeah Uh and, and that is is that he needs to be that guy he needs to be and this is my only thing is what are what is Notre Dame getting. The stud we saw in 2020, or the dude we saw last year, was just a solid player. Sure. Right. But made a lot of mistakes. Well, so far in fall, camp, spring camp, we've, w- from everything we've heard from, I mean, I'm talking offensive players, defensive players, just observers that I know that are out of practice, you know, yeah. things like yeah. that. And it's the same thing. There's certain things like every person I talk to, boy, Jadarian Price is going to be a dude. Uh, that number 16 on defense. Most people don't even know who he is. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know who that is, but that number 16 on defense makes a ton of plays. And and I'm like, yeah, it's Brandon Joseph. I'm like, okay. Yeah. He's really good. You know, you hear that from a lot of people, but you need stars on every level to me to have an elite defense. And, and we know that they're going to have at least one up front. I would not throw cam Hart in the star category yet. He showed the potential to be that guy. Right.
2: And at times
1: he was, well, I'm saying he needs to be right. Like that's like what he in needs 2018. Julian Love was a stud every single week. He got beat that first game against Michigan. They beat him on that post route. Remember that for that big play. And after that, I think it really pissed him off. And he's like, I'm not giving up another play all year. And he pretty much didn't. Right. And and so you need that. I mean, in, in that year, the other thing about 2018 to Vince, because to me, that was the best defense Notre Dame's had in, under, under the previous regime. I would even say it's better in the 2012 defense because I thought that defense had more speed. They could actually match up against teams with speed where that's once you got into a, a game against speed, that 20 that 2012 defense was going to have some issues. And but the 2018 defense, I would argue, is was their best because they didn't play. They didn't play really. Neat. They played like one good offense that year. That was Oklahoma. And they weren't great. You know, they had some holes in some other games, too. Uh, Who's the quarterback on that team? Was it Landry? Oh man, what was his name? I'm gonna bring in Ryan. Wasn't it Landry? What what was the guy's name? Last name Landry. Uh, the the Oklahoma's quarterback. In Landry Jones. Landry Jones. That mm-hmm. was him. You know, but but so but that 2018 team is like they had multiple stars up front. Yeah, and that's the key is you know you just need one on the second and third level. You need multiples up front, and that's why I think a lot of what we talk about, Vince, when we talk about the defense taking the next step is I really think Jason Adamiola from a star standpoint and then Riley Mills from a playmaking standpoint to me are the two keys to this defensive line being really good or this defensive line being elite, Yeah, and that's going to be the key for me. Maris is the key on the second level because if Maris steps up, I think that's going to also then make J.D. Bertrand and Bo Bauer even better. Mike, might because you'll have that combo right there and then Cam Hart's got to be consistently at his highest, he showed he can be a star last year at times. He's now got to take that to another level, and they need Brandon Joseph to be that guy. So I think, Vince, for me, that's the final piece to, yeah. to when I look at what this defense needs to really take that next step. What say you?
2: No, I, I think that's a really good point. I mean, it, Notre Dame doesn't have those stars at the second and the third level at the moment. I think that they have one... In Isaiah Foskey on the front, on the front line. And you're right. I think, I think Jason's right there. I think he's right on the edge of being that guy, but he needs to take, he needs, look, if he was that guy last year, he probably wouldn't be here right now. Right. And I think he knows that he yeah. needs to take it to that next level. I think that's legit. Um, But I think he can, and I think he will. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's right there on that line to me. Yeah. Right. And so if he can take his game to that next level, I think Maris is poised to be that guy um, you know, at linebacker. And like you said, two guys in the secondary, I think those guys can take their game to where it needs to be as well. So um, if they can do that, I mean, if you have legitimate two, three, five stars on defense,
1: yeah, you got a pretty good shot of. I mean, defense. if you have more elite. than two, you're going to be spe- you're going to be really good. Yeah. That, that's the key for me. Absolutely. And, and if it, if those two are at multiple positions, then you're going to have right. a chance. And absolutely. And and Vince, the final thing for me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this and then immediately hand it off to you because I want you to run with it because it's building on what you said the other day. The final piece to this defense really taking that next step and becoming elite is the Notre Dame offense. Yes.
2: No question. It, it, we talked about the different things being intertwined and how one thing will kind of lead to another and all of these different things. I, I said on on Tuesday's show, or was it Tuesday's show? Yeah, yeah it's Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, I, I know they all
1: kind of bleed together. <laughs> uh,
2: but I said on Tuesday's show that I think this offense is going to, and I, I used the word carry, and and you kind of push back on that, and I totally understand. But I think this offense is now going to be a part of the team that – is not going to be dependent on the right. defense. Right. And Which I Which is going to free the defense in it's my mind. It's going to free the defense. They there again, and I said it earlier in this show, you're going to be able to take more chances defensively because you're not going to be worried about, okay, if I'm on defense and we take this chance and they score, yeah, our offense isn't going to be able to go match that score. I think this year the they're going to have confidence that the offense, okay, if we give up a score here, the offense is going to be able to go match that score and they're going to have our back in case we mess up but we also have a great opportunity here if we run that corner fire as you had mentioned before man we could make we could do some serious damage here but on the off chance they could down score the offense could do it too
1: yep uh, that's what we see so that's that's our breakdown of the Notre Dame defense obviously uh it's been the strength of the team but the the point is is there's another level they can and need to get to if we're if we're going to hold them to the standard we're right. talking about which is are you able to play at a level that helps you Absolutely. win a championship and they've been close to that a few times. I think they were close to that in 2018. They were close to that in 2012. I think at times last year, they were close yeah. to that, especially when Kyle Hamilton was healthy. Cause you know, when he was on his game, he was really good. Well, I just, absolutely. my thing was he just wasn't always on his game last year, much more, uh, you know, not nearly. He was so consistent in 2020. I felt even playing through injuries, yeah. we didn't get that same mm-hmm. version of him last year. The one thing I, I think that, 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 that we'll get from brandon joseph because my my thought with him in 2021 is i felt like they were asking him to do too much and i think he's a much better player within a system within a sure. structure i think most dbs well, are that way to be honest with you and i mean when you the go to freaks one like, like, like hamilton can kind of freelance sure, but sure. most can't mm-hmm. and he he they won't have with cam hart with the front with the linebackers with the other safeties they have there's enough talent around him to say hey brandon this is your job communicate, let everybody know what their jobs are. But then when that ball snaps, you're only focused on what you do. And I think at the very least, he's going to be consistently good that way. We'll have to see if he can be a star, but I think he's going to at least be consistently good.
2: And I think when you go to a place like Northwestern, you're not going to have as many guys around you. And so you're almost forced to freelance.
1: He had a a couple in in 20, but this thing, 2020, he did. Yeah. had some really good linebacker. Right. And they had a first round draft Mm -hmm. of a corner. Yeah. So he could just say, hey, Greg's got that. I'm, I need to do my right. job. Newsom's got that guy, right? Hey, Patty's going to do his job. I can, you know, I'm going to fit off of him. You don't feel like, okay, I got to I got to rescue this guy. It's right. like the Jalen the Smith effect. You know I mean? Jay, you know, the only person in America that could keep Jalen Smith under 10 tackles for loss is Brian Van Gorder, you know, because he's having to rescue other people all the time. So I think that's also why I think that that he's got a chance, in my opinion, to go out and be a star this year. But, you know, there's, there's – it's a lot of excitement, a lot of good things happening. We're really excited about what we've heard about this defense. I think what Marcus Freeman has done is really bringing a good staff. I love what I'm hearing about Coach Washington. You know, I, I, there's a lot of confidence that Coach Coach Mickens is going to get the second the, the corners turned around. And I look – and he's young, and he still has a lot to prove. Yeah. But I was really impressed by the job that Chris O'Leary did patching that secondary, the safety group together last year after Kyle Tamels. Because when you lose an All-American
2: like that, that can totally destroy a position group.
1: And you're replacing him with a dude that was playing corner and another dude that was playing wide receiver when the right. season started. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, uh, you know, I, we got to see what kind of recruiter he is. But his, his first impression – I mean, you, you know, what do they say? Like, you know, your first impression – uh, you know it's going to last a while first impression from a coaching standpoint was i, I thought the guy did a great job
2: i, I love they, they started off coach. rough
1: you know guys out of position bad tackling but to watch them fundamentally improve as the season went on that's a sign of good coaching because yeah it wasn't a good start vince like the Florida State game and the toledo game was like yeah these safeties suck <laughs> i mean you got like dj taking bad angles kyle taking bad angles KJ Wallace going under a guy. It's like you know. It's kind of like going under a pick in basketball. You just just don't do that. You right. definitely don't do it football. And that allows the guy to beat him on a wheel route for sixty something. You are like these guys are terrible, but then you start seeing them make more plays. It started against Purdue. You know, DJ had a couple big plays against Purdue. You know, they they were better in coverage, and they just kind of got better week after week after week after week. They just kind of got better. That's those. When you say how do you know a team is coached well? That's a good example right there. When you yep. when you can noticeably see them improving their fundamentals and their execution as the season goes on that's a sign that that group is getting coached well yep. and that was a good sign so I think coaching wise there's a lot I have a lot of confidence now it's like okay let's go see it but those are the things I think we need to see from that group so Vince appreciate you you're gonna be back tomorrow so I just found out some good news you, you you're not in school tomorrow I am not so you're not going to be held to that hour window quite as no, much not quite as a mailbag so we're 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 gonna have some fun tomorrow yeah yeah baby uh,
2: and it's game day for me baby it's game day today right. so got to go out and, and get finally fun got, got
1: some sun so you might actually play hopefully yeah, know, your pitchers right? can pitch into the wind today because yeah, it's right? super windy today <laughs> it's like, like 50 pop degrees. up the shortstop ends up landing over the fence yeah, exactly. uh the way the wind is going today it's gonna be interesting my dog you know, sadie was out on the porch today vince and you know you know she loves going out and laying on the on the on the deck out back and she was like laying kind of out and like we have this like wide you haven't seen our new deck because we got to put no, it like before the winter but it's like this yeah, really yeah. wide front step and there's like these wide right, yep. steps and all that and she likes to like lay in that big opening but the wind was like hitting her in the face so bad she kind of went and laid behind one of the poles yeah <laughs> it was super windy here today so hopefully it doesn't affect you too much but good luck today Vince, vincent your buddy. game thank you for joining the show and folks we're not done we've got more coming for you